I'm kind of making fun of you a little bit as you're coming out and you're doing this prayer and because obviously I'm not a Christian yet. So I'm sitting there like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. It sounds a little crazy. You know, close your eyes and think about, and I'm like, uh, I'm not closing my eyes around you. What are you doing? I was never an atheist. I was just um, anti-God. I, I would actively preach against him. I, rem- I remember looking around one day while you're doing that, and I remember seeing a girl crying in the back of the class. And I, re- I remember seeing people that would just put their head in their hands, and you could just feel a heaviness release from them. Uh, and you could see people that would seem different after just a prayer yeah and that kind of that's kind of what grew my curiosity and why i approached you welcome to unquenchable where we discuss all things biblical theology listening prayer and christian living each week we'll share a discussion an interview or a story that will feed your spiritual curiosity helping you to better understand the bible and receive inner healing so you can grow in intimacy with christ through prayer Today we are sharing a third testimony coming out of when Dom began experimenting with listening and inner healing prayer with his New Testament survey class of 500 students five years ago. By the time that this student came to Don to pray, Don had already been scheduling office hours every week to pray through things with students. In fact, by this time, Don was praying through things with up to 10 students a week, so he was starting to grow in confidence and was beginning more and more to get excited when he was faced with new challenges. Keep in mind, up to this point, Don wasn't known for his compassion. But each hour and a half prayer session led him to more deeply understand the extent of the emotional, physical, psychological, and spiritual trauma that his students were facing. And each prayer session led him more and more to understand why and how each of his students were trapped by the enemy. And he became more and more emboldened to help them, even if it meant engaging in spiritual warfare, something that he had attempted to avoid his entire Christian life. Each prayer session invigorated him because he sensed that God was discipling him and helping him to develop compassion and empathy. And because the approach that Don was taking did not require his students to share any specific details, and that they experienced breakthroughs so quickly, he was able to focus on praise for what God had done in prayer, rather than being burdened by the brokenness of this fallen world. Interestingly, the student we are interviewing today was not a believer at the time. And at first, he sat in the front row mocking Don as he led the class in prayer. That is, until he began to understand what he was seeing. By the end of the semester, this student would give his life to Christ and share his testimony in front of the entire class as he was baptized in the pond on campus. As you listen today, won't you take a minute to click to give us five stars and write a few word reviews so that others can see this show's value. Here is Don's interview with Josh. So Josh, welcome to Unquenchable. You are among the students who were in my New Testament survey class five years ago. That's the semester when I stepped out in faith and began demonstrating listening and healing prayer And in fact, for our final class, the class was canceled because we walked across the campus together and you were baptized. Yeah, it was awesome. Tell us a bit about your life before class and then about your experience in class. And I'll just, you know, really sit here and just let you talk as long as you want to talk to share your story. Sure. So uh, kind of a brief snapshot would be uh, I grew up in a pretty heavily abused home. Um, My father wasn't around a whole lot. It was one excuse or another. Uh, My father was very reliant on alcohol and women to kind of justify his existence. And, um, you know, the sins of the father, I kind of fell into the same pathway. I idolized his actions. I saw him, you know, he's got four or five, six women in his life that are all crazy about him. And he's, you know, living this awesome manly life. So I'm like, Oh, I want to be just like dad. Uh, never stopped to think about how toxic that is. And then, 
Um, my life with my mom wasn't the best. Uh, that kind of got worse when my stepdad came in the picture. My stepfather was uh, incredibly abusive. He also struggled with alcohol, not so much with women, but he had a he had a really nasty habit of being physically abusive towards my mom. Me being a little man, you know, I wanted to protect my mom. I would intervene. I would try to get in between them. That resulted in me getting hurt a lot. Um, some of my some of my memories with them include like him choking me until I passed out. Um, my door being taken, taken down by him coming and screaming and yelling. Um, and that's kind of how I was first exposed to Christianity. We would go to church with my stepfather and he was so respected at the church. He was very popular. He was cared for. He I don't, I don't, I think he was a deacon at the time actually. And me being young and impressionable. I mean, this is, you know, basically first grade through sixth grade when I'm around him. So I'm seeing him, you know, loved in the church and doing well in the church, listening to the pastor talk about God's love. Mm. But then I come home to who's supposed to be showing me God's love, yeah. and it's uh, it's an incredibly abusive environment. His uh, his children would beat each other routinely. I, I remember one night where his daughter was beaten by his son with a telephone because she, she wouldn't hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the entirety of the argument, and she was beaten horribly. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad. So it kind of accumulated one day uh, in sixth grade where I was up in my uh, in my treehouse and um, there was an argument between my mom and my stepfather. And somehow I came up in the argument and he actually came up into my treehouse and grabbed me and threw me out of my treehouse. Mm-hmm. I ran from him, ran into the house, locked myself in the bedroom. He busted down the door at the same time I come out come out of the uh, window. I go back around, get a, a cell phone, and I, I call one of my father's girlfriends at the time, and I'm basically just screaming for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, police show up. The judge basically says, "Look, you have to take him out of this, or you have to give up, kid, because this can't be happening." And you know, we were already in and out of Jane D court all the time yeah. between my father and my and my mother, constant legal battles. So all that to say, that's how I kind of got exposed to Christianity, was this guy who was supposed to be a representative of Christ was abusive and alcoholic. My father claimed to be a Christian, but was the uh, the type that said, well, if you're a good person, you go to heaven. Yeah. So I developed this uh, opinion of Christianity that, sure, it's real. Like, God's there. He just doesn't mm-hmm. care about me. Uh, so if God is love, then why am I going through this? You know, if, if he is supposed to care for the children and suffer not on the children unless you suffer unto me. You know, so what, why does that, why do I not matter? Mm-hmm. So that kind of accumulated in me having the opinion that God doesn't care about me, but he's, he might be there. That's, that's fine. I'm never, I was never an atheist. I was just, um, anti-God. Yeah. I, I would actively preach against him. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, and people would talk to me about Christianity and I'd be like, yeah, you're full of, you know what, because that's, that's not God. You might think, you know, God, but I've seen a godly man. Mm-hmm. That grows into into my kind of downward spiral. So I was pretty much obsessed with violence, not in a bad way. I'm not going out and hurting people, but my father was a Marine, so I idolized my father already. So, I, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to go to war, you know, and then when ISIS rises, I'm like, okay, here's my shot. I'm going to do it. That's a righteous fight. If I die, then fine. I mean, I don't care. I don't really care about mm-hmm. my life. So... I'm trying to get in, trying to get in, trying to get in. It's, it's, you know, delayed, 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 delayed. Need a waiver, need a waiver, need a waiver, need a waiver. So I missed all of the opportunity that I had to deploy because it took me almost two years to get into the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So I finally get in, uh, I go to boot camp. I 
kind of touch with Christianity for the first time there. I get kind of picked on in boot camp because I'm trying to validate my faith because I'm talking to people about God and trying to pray for them, even though I really don't even believe what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just going around and saying things because I read that they might be good to say. So long story short, I leave, uh, I leave boot camp, go to combat training, go to engineer school, come back. While I was away, I developed not really a, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic, but I was an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> I would drink all the time. The Marine Corps is just full of functioning alcoholics. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. That was like the party culture of the Marine Corps. I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm getting, you know, I've got all this attention from women because now I look good. Now I've got a uniform. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. It kind of, that led me to treating the woman that I was with not, not the best. Uh, I never was abusive towards or nothing like that, but I wouldn't really care about her needs. I was just like, you know, I'm getting all this attention. Now there's all these beautiful women walking around, and I'm a young Marine on campus. Between me coming home and me getting saved, several friends commit suicide that I've known in the Marine Corps. I went on a camping trip on Easter weekend, and I got woken up, I believe it was 1.30 or 2 in the morning, from a, call, a phone call from a buddy of mine from boot camp, and he said, hey, do you remember Carrie? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And he said, he's gone. Mm-hmm. What do you mean he's gone? kid's 19, you know? So turns out that he'd shot himself that night and I didn't really know what to do with that. I just went back to sleep. I realized that I was kind of heading down a similar path. You know, he was all about parties, all about alcohol, all about having fun, all about women. And that was kind of my trap too. I fell into like, there's a bunch of beautiful girls here and I have what it takes to attract them. So I fell into sins of the flesh, heavy, like watching porn all the time you know, uh, chasing skirts. That's kind of how that demonic influence in my life came about because Mm -hmm. I would literally just know like, Hey, I can approach this woman, talk about this thing. And then two days later I'm in bed with her. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was justifying my existence. Like, yeah, that's what a man is. You know, I'm I'm out there with five, six girls a week. And then Carrie kills himself. I come up to you and I'm basically like short version is I, you believe this. I don't, I need help Mm -hmm. because I, uh, I, I was, you know, struggling really hard having these, uh, not suicidal thoughts, but I don't really care if I'm alive. I was totally indifferent, didn't care, just wanted an excuse to do something. That being said, uh, we start talking, we start praying after class, getting together, talking a couple times. And then I have that dream where I'm in my apartment. This is after we'd actually prayed and I'd, I'd felt anything in prayer for the first time that day. And then I go home that night And in my dream, I wake up in bed, my bathroom door opens, I see Carrie, I see him put a gun to his head, and then what happened happened, and then I see this dark, heavy, just manifestation of evil come towards me, and I I wake up, I'm drenched in sweat, I'm screaming, Mm -hmm. I kind of, I told you about that the next day, and you're like, it sounds like you got some demonic influence in your life, Mm -hmm. we start praying through that. One of the things that was interesting to me was I remember you saying that you were able to sit in the front row of the class and be able to have a, an awareness of people around you mm-hmm. that you hadn't seen. Yeah. You want to talk about that? There, so there was a girl who was sitting uh, a couple rows back and she was having, she was currently experiencing something with her father. And I just had this overwhelming urge to go talk to her. About mm-hmm. it. Overwhelming urge, overwhelming urge, go talk to her about her dad, go talk to her about her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would almost say that that was like the demon kind of whispering in my ear, if you would, um, telling me like, hey, if you want to sleep with this girl, this is how you do it. You, you exploit this weakness, you know, and it sounds horrible to say, but that, that's what 
that's what demons are. They're horrible. Um, obviously, I'm repentant of that now, but, you know, and I, I didn't follow through with it, thank God. Um, but, and I remember even one night when we were, when we were here and there was a couple, there was a young couple here, and again, I won't say their names, mm-hmm. but I knew that there was some infidelity going on and I knew that I could exploit it. Mm-hmm. Can't explain exactly how I know, but I just know. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and it turns out that it was true. So you sat right in the front of the class. You had your little core of people there. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that semester? Like, how did you guys grow in prayer and your understanding of prayer? What did the class think as I stepped out and did some of these things that were a bit odd for the culture at the time? So the, the class as a whole, um, we were, I mean, obviously every college has, you know, cliques and all this kind of stuff. So I'm sitting in the front. I had a couple friends, probably three seats in each direction. And we're talking and, you know, I'm kind of making fun of you a little bit as you're coming out and you're doing this prayer. And because obviously I'm not a Christian yet. So I'm sitting there like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. It sounds a little crazy. Um, you know, close your eyes and think about, and I'm like, uh, I'm not closing my eyes around you. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And there were obviously the, the goody goody two shoes kind of like, I'm outwardly Christian, so I don't need to be inwardly Christian people who would sit there and they would, oh, you know, let me raise my hand and let me, uh, let me say yes, yes, yes. And let me, you know, the people who stand on the corner and pray and they've already received the reward yeah. and you'd, you'd see that. And then I, rem- I remember looking around one day while you're doing that. And I remember seeing a girl crying in the back of the class. And I, re- I remember seeing people that would just put their head in their hands and you could just feel a heaviness release from them. Uh, and you could see people, they would seem different after just a prayer. Yeah. And that kind of, that's kind of what grew my curiosity and why I approached you. And I, I guess I'm kind of curious from, uh, from your perspective about yeah. like what you were thinking during it, because, um, since then, I mean, I've, uh, I've had the a very wonderful opportunity. I've, I've baptized two of my closest friends, mm-hmm. which was, a, a, which I told you was a goal mm-hmm. like that. I want to be so in love with God that I can't stop talking about it. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's how it's been. So yeah, I'm kind of curious. What were, what were you thinking? How do you, you know, you got this guy that is, you know, telling you like, Hey, I hate you. I want to, I want to hurt you right now. Right. Um, how are you praying with that person? How are you responding to somebody saying like, Hey, uh, my friends are killing themselves left and right. And I'm headed mm-hmm. down the same path. Help me. Mm-hmm. How, how, what's that like for you? Yeah. So the neat thing is during that time, I was pretty much just submitting myself to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in and say, well, I don't know what I'm doing here, but Lord, you know what's going on. So let's see what you want to do here. And so it was always a curiosity. For me, I had not dealt with the demonic much through my life. In fact, I had up until that point in my life really avoided it because I kind of felt like if you look into those things and you're empowering those things. And so even something as very basic as Neil Anderson's uh, Bondage Breaker book um, was just avoiding it. And so whenever we were praying through things, I wasn't looking for demons. But then when we find this, I remember we, as we prayed through it, one of the things that came up was you said that, that it entered when your dad was actually teaching you how to watch pornography, how to get yeah. how to access it. Yeah. And when it got control was when your stepfather grabbed a hold of your neck. Yeah. It was like those were two defining moments. One was kind of the influence, and then one was more where it had taken over. Yeah, basically possession. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. As we prayed through things, one of the things that was interesting was we got so far, but then we asked somebody else to come in. Mm-hmm. You remember sitting here in my living room? Mm-hmm. You want to talk a bit about that? I'd come that day to pray. I'd left all my, you know, I, I carry a firearm, but I left it in the car just because, you know, we're, we're approaching something dangerous. And I remember looking at you and telling you, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure you could feel it at the time, but it just felt like the whole house was just heavy. Mm-hmm. And then we were praying, 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 and then gone. Yeah. Just 
poof, it was, it was awesome to experience. I think that was actually before I'd even accepted Christ. Like he, like the demon was still with me at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, Lem was with us mm-hmm. and uh, I remember he was praying through some things and I remember there were all these tombstones. You remember the tombstones? Yeah. But I, I do remember standing in the graveyard with the, I think it was seven, seven tombstones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know there was something written on it, but I can't remember. Yeah, what was there were names it. of something written on each one. And they mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't people names. They were more like things you were struggling with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was one big one that was the final one. Mm-hmm. And that one was like, you couldn't read it. And then mm-hmm. once you could read it, all the stones just kind of caved in. It mm-hmm. was as though the substance of it was gone. Yeah. And that was something that I had never seen before, never experienced before. Yeah. So that was uh, that was just a really interesting prayer session with that. And you remember with Lem, whenever you actually told him, like, I, I kind of want to choke you right now. Yeah. You know, when you told him that. And it's interesting that you choose choke because that was yeah. what was the the thing that had brought you into bondage. And his response was sort of like, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. And it was the same kind of thing. Um, and that's one of the things here that the podcast is called Unquenchable. And one of the reasons for that is just when you have this unquenchable curiosity, when you're trying to lean in more and more into the mysteries of the Lord, but staying biblically sound, but saying, mm-hmm. like, what does the Lord actually do? And that's kind of where I was. It was like, okay, Lord, let's see here. So whenever I heard you say that you have something whispering in your ear and you can know the proximity of a person mm-hmm. and what they're struggling with without seeing them, yeah, that's the kind of thing I catalog in my mind yeah. and say, okay, well, wait a minute. That's not human. That's yeah. something different. Yeah. What is this? You know, and I can try to figure out my ways to, to come up with a, a logical way to explain it. But I'm always looking for those kinds of things to say, okay, what's going on in the spiritual realm here? Yeah. And there are people who will say different things about angels and demons and the spiritual battle. And, and really, we're very limited in what we can know from Scripture. And there's mm-hmm. a question about what should we know, what can we know, and what should we put into practice that we think we've learned mm-hmm. from our experience. And so for me, I just kind of thought, interesting. I never really felt threatened by you. Mm. I didn't feel like there was a, a real credible threat. Now, at the same time, I, I believed you on that day that you were you know, wanting to potentially hurt him. But, mm-hmm. you know, you'd already taken action to make sure yeah. that you... As safe as possible. Right, the safest yeah. possible you could. Um, the only weapons were the things that you were trained by the Marine Corps. Yeah, right. Brought with you. <laughs> and so with that, it was kind of one of those things where it was just like interesting, you know. And so when you came in and said that you didn't believe, but you knew I believed, I thought, well, okay, let's see. Let's find out what God will do in this situation. And that's one of the things that's often going to come up as a, in a question and answer is, can we do this with unbelievers? Mm-hmm. And so your testimony here is, well, I was an unbeliever and it yeah. was working for me. And, and so the, the question is, well, how could this be? If the Holy Spirit's not living inside of you, how can this be? Well, the Holy Spirit was already at work in you, was mm-hmm. already guiding you. It's Absolutely. not like the Holy Spirit has changed just because you're not saved. It doesn't mean the Spirit can't speak to you just like any other you know, spiritual being trying to speak with you. The Holy Spirit can still speak with you. And so with the two coming together, touching here on earth, I mean, it talks about this in Scripture. You know, Even though you weren't a follower of Christ, there's a sense in which us coming together, you, know, you have this borrowed authority from me where I'm asking the Lord, and you submitted yourself to it. So even though you didn't believe, you submitted yourself enough to be able to, to see and experience what was going on. Then we have our transformational prayer night in your living room. Mm-hmm. You know, we're envisioning us talking to God. And then I have this clear vision in my mind that I'm sitting on a park bench with Jesus and no words, nothing. He just grabs me by the back of the head and puts me underwater. Mm-hmm. And then I come back up and then you're like, sounds like you want to be baptized. <laughs> so we start praying through that. And, uh, yeah, that's where you you left off with us walking across campus, mm-hmm. baptism. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to tell you. I had people coming up to me a year, two years later on campus. Hey, was that you in the in the pond? I wanted to talk to you about this, or I wanted to 
I wanted to approach you about this. That kind of opened, obviously, through the glory of God that they were able to confront their own sins. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, this guy in the middle, a group of like 500 people just said that he was addicted to porn Mm -hmm. and drank alcohol and was addicted to sex. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can admit that I have a problem with, you know, respecting authority. Maybe I can admit that I have a problem with whatever they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not on a grand scale, even if it's just person to person, you know, confessing your sins to one another. God brought me through it. God's put me in a position now where I'm helping countless people. Yeah. And if I can help somebody by saying, hey, I did X or I did Y, you know, and they use that for the glory of God, fine. Yeah. You know, that's that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Submit yourselves. I mean, if Christ can take a cross for all my sins, then I can at least admit that I sinned. Yeah. That's the way that I look at it. There are a couple practical takeaways from this episode. First, if you feel as though the Lord is leading you to pray through things with someone and you're not sure if they are a believer in Jesus, we encourage you not to let this stop you. We've seen quite a few people come to Christ right in the midst of a listening prayer session. Keep in mind, God draws each person to himself before they are saved. In fact, as we look to launch Pray Through at Ministries full-time next month, we are considering ways that we can use listening prayer as a method of evangelism. One way to invite others in is to say something like, Would you be willing to do a prayer experiment with me? In season two, we will talk more about how to lead others, even pre-Christians, in listening prayer. So be sure to subscribe so you can catch those episodes as they go live. If you've led anyone to Christ through listening in prayer, we would love to hear about it. You can send on your story at drlove at praythroughit.com. Join us next week as we trace what happened when Jen and I began to open up prayer meetings to the entire campus. But in order to do that, you first had to get approval to use the Divinity Tower for late-night prayer meetings. Little did we know what would happen when we asked for permission. What happened? Join us next week to find out. Did you know that we often lead listening and inner healing prayer retreats and trainings? Who do you know that would benefit from these? Check us out at praythroughit.com events to see when we are going to be in your area. And if you don't see what you're looking for, email Dawn at drlove at praythroughit.com to discuss how we can minister to your family and friends. Unquenchable is a ministry of Pray Through It Ministries. 